sometimes we get so focused on our skills, but the biggest thing is building that rapport and coming from a non-judgmental place. And uh, had, had I gone and, and sought help and been judged in any sort of way, I would have left. Welcome back to You Need a Counselor podcast. My name is Julie Johnson. I'm the president and founder here at Heart and Solutions. We're a counseling agency here in Iowa, um, and we're still doing telehealth. We're still doing in-office and in-school mental health therapy sessions, as well as in-home and in-school behavioral health intervention for kids. And I'm Krissa. I am the vice president at Heart and Solutions in charge of our BHIS department. So BHIS stands for Behavioral Health Intervention Services. And that's the program where we go in home or we can see kids in office or in school or telehealth and work with them on different behavioral skills. And this is our podcast, You Need a Counselor. So we are designed for people curious about counseling that have barriers keeping them from experiencing the benefits of counseling. Our mission is to share stories about counseling, good, bad, and indifferent, and spread the message that everyone can benefit from mental health and behavioral health counseling services. So we post on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Central. We always have a little preview, a little sneak peek on Friday evenings. Um, And then Sunday night, we post our new episode. And we always just suggest batch up whatever task you hate doing and save it for Sunday night. And then you can put on the podcast that night. so popular ones are folding laundry, so you've got <laughs> clean clothes for the week, meal prepping. So you've got meals made for the week. Uh, I feel like all the time we're adding new horrible tasks <laughs> to this list. <laughs> the newest one being get your workout on during the during the podcast. Um, that gives you the entire week to get in touch with your counselor, to contact our guests from that week's show. Um, and if you haven't seen your counselor, if you don't have a counselor yet, Go ahead and reach out that week. That gives you that whole week to get in for your sessions. So uh, today we've got a special guest. Uh, We've got Vicki Ailey Robertson. Uh, Vicki is a licensed mental health counselor. Um, She's also certified in EMDR, and that's that eye movement desensitization and reprocessing technique. Um, We've done a few little techniques on that on the podcast, so long-term listeners will be familiar with that a little bit. Um, also, Vicki works with couples, which we have not talked about very much at all on the podcast. So I'm super excited um, to hear about what that is like. Vicki is the founder, owner of Ankeny Family Counseling. Um, and Ankeny Family Counseling and Heart and Solutions, we're kind of like growing up together, I feel like. Um, So Ankeny Family Counseling started in 2015. Um, We started just a few months earlier in 2014. Um, So it's just been really, really cool um, getting to see Ankeny Family Counseling grow, get into new locations, just kind of uh, expand the services that they're providing. So they've got seven therapists right now, including Vicki. Vicki does clinical work as well. And then two admins uh, handling their billing and helping clients uh, when they call in. So um, a practice that is very much growing um, in a great location. Ankeny is awesome. We love Ankeny. Krista used to live in Ankeny. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so really, really awesome location and uh, a very quickly growing population out there in Ankeny, uh, a lot of movement and, and stuff happening out there. And so welcome, Vicki. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Julie and Chris. It's nice to be here. Wonderful. So, um, I mean, from your bio and just from, from getting to, uh, to follow you over the last several years um, since we first met, I know that you are just all about helping people. Like that is like your main, I mean, the entire agency, right? And the field and the profession is just all about helping people. Where did that come from in your life? How did you get that kind of fire to, uh, to, to go out and be this passionate about it? Question. And this is something that I didn't talk about until the, just the last few years ago. Um, and I'm not really sure why that is, um, you know, but I, when I was young, you know, my 18, 19, 20 year old, um, you know, I just, I had a lot of my own problems. And uh, at that time in my life, I was lost. I didn't have any direction. I was getting into some things that I just wasn't grown up around. And, you know, I just really was really struggling with life. And um, I, I found some counselors. My family did some interventions on me. And uh, through a series of very difficult events, I finally became willing to seek help. And so I had the kindness of strangers. And that's kind of what I look at. I mean, that's how I saw these counselors. They were, they were complete strangers to me, but they were kind and they were helpful. And the biggest thing is they, they believed in me. Like they, they believed in me that I could change and make a difference. And that's exactly what happened. And so again, kind of through the, the school of hard knocks, um, I became introduced to the profession and my life began on a trajectory that I had no idea what was going to happen or where I was going. And uh, I ended up going to community college and began in the secretarial program because, I mean, that's what I thought I could do. And it was apparent that that was not a good spot for me. I am not detail oriented. <laughs> um, and so uh, I soon just began to work on my liberal arts degree and eventually transferred at Mount Mercy College into the School of Social Work there and received my bachelor's degree. And then I eventually went on to get my master's degree at uh, Drake University in their counseling department. So, you know, I'm the kind of person that really shouldn't be here in front of you today. Um, it was just a matter of uh, inches and seconds. My life could have ended up in a horrible disaster. And again, because just of a series of events and some fantastic counselors, um, I sit here in front of you today. And so I'm very passionate about helping others. It is literally in my bones. I, I feel like I was born to do this. It becomes, I mean, it, it's natural for me to care and to nurture others. And I'm a lifelong learner. So I have continued to grow my skills and am currently getting some Gottman training because I, and I'll talk more about this later, but I really love the challenge of couples. So that's, that's how I got here. Wow. Yeah. I love that because it, well, when you said, you know, the kindness of strangers and having that experience that you described of like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm alone in this. I'm lost. Right. Yeah. I don't have any guidance. I don't have any guiding light. And then here come people, counselors who like 
have no reason to care about me as a human. (laughs) And they don't know me. They're not my family. Right. Um, but still extending that kindness, still extending, extending that support, um, that helped you make those decisions in your life that helped you, uh, change some of those circumstances or cope with some of those circumstances, um, that you were going through and, and really change the outcome of your, of your life. And they were non-judgmental. And that's mm. the thing, like when you make bad decisions in your life, like I was making very poor decisions, I guess I shouldn't use the word bad, but <laughs> very, very poor decisions. And my life, I mean, people could have judged that very harshly. And some people did. I mean, my family, they were frustrated, but I felt the non-judgment of these counselors. And that is so powerful. Um, You know, sometimes we get so focused on our skills, but the biggest thing is building that rapport and coming from a non-judgmental place. And uh, had, had I gone and, and sought help and been judged in any sort of way, I would have left. Absolutely. I mean, I, I love that because, you know, you're, you are a lifelong learner and you are, you know, co- continually honing your skills, making sure that, you know, you're up to date on latest trainings. But at the same time, you know that that's not what the base is of the service you're providing. The service you're providing is the relationship. It is the safe place um, where somebody can come and talk about things and not not have that experience of feeling judged, right? And that's that is so important. That's the most important thing. When I think about counseling from the point of view of somebody who might be thinking about counseling, right, but doesn't really know all about counseling, you think it can be very overwhelming um, when we say, well, Vicki's an LMHC and she's EMDR certified, right? And she's got common chain and, and all of that. And so to hear you who has all of these credentials and who has all of this training and certifications say, yeah, but the most important thing when I was looking for a counselor was that they, I not feel judged by this person, that I feel safe with this person. Um, I think just, just shows what a a great uh, focus, you know, you have and that your agency has on, um, on that relationship and the importance of building that, that foundational relationship in counseling. So true. And I, I talk with high, you know, new hires or potential hires. And I'll say that, like, you can have the greatest skills, you can be trained and certified and this and that and have these great, fantastic skills. But the number one thing that I need is compassion. I need compassion. Um, you know, you can be the most skilled person, but if that's lacking, that that's a problem. So um, to me, compassion far exceeds EMDR certified, you know, so it just does. Mm-hmm. I love that. What's that saying? And I don't know who said it. I Maybe I should know who said it. But, uh, you know, nobody cares what you know until they know how much you care. That is cool. And I, I say this a lot, too. I, I believe that probably one third to one half of our clients wouldn't even seek counseling if they had people that they could be with that were kind and loving and understanding and non-judgmental. A lot of our clients, they don't have that. They don't have that support. 
um, you know, often during the assessment, you know, it comes out that they really, they really don't have anyone. Uh, and we know that people that are isolated, that don't have that support, um, you know, that kindness, that nurturing, they don't do as well uh, in life. And so uh, I see that frequently. I, I think that, you know, again, I, I just, I, I see that as a huge need as human beings. We, we need people that we can connect with. From the cradle to the grave, we're wired to be deeply connected uh, as children, it's our caregivers. As adults, it's our person, like it's our relationship. And, you know, we, we were wired to have that secure bond, that we have people in our life that we know are there for us no matter what. They've got our back. We can count on them and that they get us, like they get our emotional world. Um, and we can, uh, you know, we can just relate. Uh, and that we are wired that way. And without that, it sets off sometimes a primal alarm inside where, uh, you know, it may be anger or fear or anxiety without those, without that secure bond to others. And sometimes as counselors, we are that secure bond for people that they lack that in their life. Yeah, it, it, does it changes our body chemistry like it changes our brain yeah. chemistry when we're around people that we feel emotionally secure where we feel emotionally safe um and you know so there are children especially who grow up that don't have a, a physically safe person right to yeah. be around and and let alone an emotionally safe person to be around um and when we're not modeled those things by another person, then it's very difficult for us as humans because we learn through modeling. We learn through seeing people do that thing in different situations. And if we don't get to see that, it's very difficult for us to do it, to emulate it. Because we have we yeah. have nothing to emulate if we don't have that input. And so I think that sometimes too, the the suffering that um that people are experiencing comes out to others as, like you said, aggression. It comes out to others as uh, unpleasantness, right? Arguing, and especially the last two years, right? There's been so much arguing, right? And just, and, and I think that, um, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that when we were all in, in social isolation because uh, we were doing social distancing, that yes, we needed to do that for physical safety maybe right but emotionally um then it created a really uh those alarms like you said those alarms went off in our brains and we went oh my gosh i'm alone um and so having that that counselor sometimes is that only person that one person that models those things for us and shows us that like okay kindness is not necessarily weakness right? My therapist is kind to me, but they also set boundaries with me, right? And and so um, it's not one or the other, right? I don't have to be aggressive or rude or, you know, loud to be strong and to be protected, to protect myself. I think so yeah. much of that, you know, those uh, behaviors that we see in society that as a society, we're like, oh, they're, that's a messed up person. Like we judge the behavior, but so much of the time it's coming from such pain 
yes. internally. Absolutely. Yes. It's uh, so how do you see this coming out or working in couples work? Because, oh my goodness, uh, working with couples is so different than working with individuals. And you, you described it as the challenge of working with couples and I'm with you. Um, how do you see these kinds of things come out when you're working with couples? Yeah, first, I want to just talk just for a second about therapists and couples. And so there is, um, there is kind of a trend uh, for therapists to not want to work with couples. And, you know, I think that what happens, this has been my experience, is that therapists will get, they'll get some high conflict couples where things just really spin out uh, in the session on a regular basis. And I think a therapist often feels overwhelmed and may even get flooded themselves with emotion. And so oftentimes therapists you know, they, they just decide, okay, I'm just going to work with individuals, not couples. And, you know, I think that, you know, it's important to have some training before really taking on couples. And sometimes I don't think that that happens, but, you know, we have to have some form of training to work with couples and to feel like we're making a difference to be able to see the change in couples and, you know, couples, um, you know, are, part of what makes couples challenging is what makes them great is that they're opposite. Like the, the two people on the couch, you can better believe are going to be exact opposites. And so their emotional world, the way they process, the way they problem solve, you know, the way they filter information is, is very different. And so it's kind of, it's double the work, right. Uh, at really, uh, grasping what's going on and what that, what, what each of the individuals needs in, in the couple. So, you know, I highly recommend training like Sue Johnson's EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy, or Gottman. Um, I think that um, those, tr those training modalities are, are really excellent uh, working with couples. And, you know, oftentimes uh, what happens with couples is we just kind of put our relationship on autopilot. I mean, I think that when we first meet, we're in love, maybe a little in lust as well. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're in love and we adore the person. The, the person really balances out because they're exact. They balance us out because they're an exact opposite. And the very things that attract us in the beginning, later down the road, are often the things that drive us crazy about our, our partner. And so I um, you know, I think that um, for what, what I see with couples is that, um, you know, sometimes the dating is short, uh, short lived, and then uh, we're fully adulting together and we're raising, we're bringing families on board and we're raising families and we get very busy. And couples begin to forget that, you know, they're a priority. And um, that relationship has got to have tending to, it's like a garden, like you've got to, you've got to seed the garden, you've got to water it, you've got to give it food, then you've got to pull out weeds that kind of are strangling, you know, what's growing. And uh, so it really takes a lot of work. And, um, and again, when I see couples, they've, they've tried to usually solve their problems on their own for like about two years. That's been just my opinion about 24 months, they've been 
using all of their own resources. Um, and, and clients do have a lot of resources and they just keep trying and trying and then they'll finally seek some outside help and support. You know, they have unmet needs, you know, the arguing, the fighting, um, the disconnection is really about those needs not getting met. And we all have needs in relationships, um, you know, needs like to be seen and heard and understood and valued and appreciated, um, to be celebrated, uh, to be known, to be remembered. Um, those are all those emotional needs in a relationship. And if, you know, if we're not putting the time into that, if we're not listening to our partner, if we're not able to listen, those needs are not going to get met. And so things happen, things are said, hurt, hurts happen and hurts are let leave a wound. And we often are struggling with, you know, forgiveness around those wounds. And, um, you know, and uh, so, you know, again, I, I really appreciate couples because they, uh, they're, they're a challenge. And um, when I think about what I went into this field for, it's to help others. And while couples are a challenge, when you think about helping, not only are you helping that, that couple, but you're also helping maybe their children or other family members, because it's so tragic when a relationship ends. Um, and especially if there are kiddos involved, because now you might only be with your child about 50% of the time. So I look at that stakes are really high when a couple ends up in therapy, there's a lot to be lost, but there's also a lot to be gained if they can work through these emotional unmet needs and begin to turn to each other and tune in and to develop, develop the most important thing, which is empathy for one another. And empathy, when couples end up into therapy, empathy is usually very low because there's been a lot of hurt. And that has to, that has to happen. You have to be able to empathize with the pain that your partner is in and to see them. And oftentimes some of that pain that your partner is in is the same kind of pain that they may have had as a child where maybe one of their parents have had low empathy or maybe one of their parents have been absent or that sort of thing. And so sometimes that pain is connected. Um, and other time, you know, like there may be referrals that need to be made for individual counseling. Yeah, I think I think it's so interesting uh, what you're saying about couples counseling and um, and the empathy piece, especially, and how uh, we kind of get nose blind. Like, <laughs> isn't that like a Febreze commercial, right? About nose blindness to our uh, to our house, right? And we kind of get nose blind to our partners sometimes um, because our I, I just I it made me think of you know when my husband and I first started dating and we were just together all the time and and then we uh 
you know, built or remodeled a house together, right? And we were like, and then that was kind of the focus. And then we started a business together. And then that was kind of the focus. And then we had a daughter. And in in the meantime, sprinkled in, we had three cats, right? And I remember when, <laughs> when we got the cats, the cat was like the baby, right? Like the cat was like, oh, I love my cat. I was like always taking pictures of my cat and like, you know, sitting with my cat all the time, spending so much. And then my kid was born <laughs> and I'd be like, get out of here. Right? And like, just, you know, because like the cat would like jump on me or like put, you know, and, and it just, it changed that dynamic um, with, with my cat because my cat wasn't my baby anymore right my baby was my baby and it, similarly with my husband our relationship you know uh became uh a it becomes something that you have to intentionally <laughs> do um because otherwise like it's not built in the way that it kind of is when you're dating, right? When you're courting right. and you're like not living together and you're not like doing, you know, working together or whatever it is. And so everything that you do when you go on a date, that's an intentional act. There's planning in that. There's, you know, that when you're doing it, that's what you're doing. You're on a date. Whereas when you're with dinner with your partner, your married partner, if you've got kids or if you're, you know, uh, just doing life and you kind of live together. So you see them all the time. You could be doing a million other things at that dinner. Um, you know, trying to get your kids under control or trying to like in the bathroom, changing diapers or, uh, you know, on your phone, thinking about work or whatever it is. Um, there's a million things that you're doing other than dating or being to dinner with your partner. Um, and so I think all of those things just kind of come in to the relationship and they're, they're wonderful things. They can be beautiful things, but once you add something else, then you have to be so intentional about the relationship too. Absolutely. And that's why, I mean, if a lot of times, you know, couples are assigned that they they've got to begin to date one another. And so, you know, they have a weekly date night uh, or every other week date night and that they're intentional about that. They find the babysitter. Um, they don't take the children and they're, they're not on their phones. They put their phones away or they don't take their phones. But, you know, to just be intentional. And then it's not on one partner to schedule it. I mean, it, there, there's a handoff one week, one partner schedules it the next week, the other partner schedules it. So again, we, we want to feel like we felt when we, when we dated, like we sat on the edge of the chair on every word our partner said, I mean, we couldn't wait to be together. Like we would stop everything uh, to, to just to be together. And so, uh, you know, often again, that's, that's one of the first assignments is that you begin to put that back in your marriage. And, you know, again, oftentimes, you know, um, those, some of those unmet needs are physical. And um, I love Esther Perel. She's a Belgian psychologist and she works a lot with couples. She's got some really awesome YouTube videos out there. Her name is Esther uh, Perel, and she is um, really dynamite in terms of working with couples. And she talks about how our biggest organ on our body is skin and that, you know, we need to be like touching one another, um, you know, just being in close proximity, holding hands, 
um, an, an arm, you know, a hand on an arm, um, you know, and again, uh, sometimes, you know, sex has been an area that's been difficult for couples. And, you know, you think about, you know, when you, again, you first started dating, like you just couldn't wait to be physical, right, with your partner and how, how sometimes those needs just go unmet in a relationship. And I've been really surprised because I've, uh, I've often had opinions like one, like one gender may uh, desire, uh, desire to be desired more than the other. But, you know, when you start talking to everyone as couples, they, they'll say like, I wonder if my partner even desires me or finds me desirable or attractive. Um, and, you know, again, we need to be intentional about that give our partner those affirmations. I find you extremely handsome. You look so handsome or you look so beautiful. Um, I just love the color of your eyes, but, you know, just being able to be affirmative um, to your partner is so important. Um, you know, some people need more affirmations than others. And if that's your partner's love language, be intentional about that. Um, you know, send little sticky notes or hide little notes here and there for your partner to find those. Um, and so, you know, those are, again, some of the assignments that, that we will um, assign couples. Um, you know, we, we encourage couples to be intimate. And, you know, if there's been a long period of disconnection, sometimes one of the partners, that's really the last thing that they really want to do. I mean, they, um, you know, they have emotional needs that, that need to be met first. Um, and so, um, but I always, always say, you know, if, if sex feels safe and it's tolerable, sex is good for a marriage and, um, or a relationship. Um, and so be mindful of that. Um, but often, you know, there's issues around that. And those are things that we work through in counseling. Um, so it's just important, um, that we, um, that we carve out time for our partner. And I think about how uh, we're so busy. Um, and Julie, you know, as a business owner, you could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, but you have, you have a sweet little girl and a wonderful husband that's waiting for you to come home. And you've got to shut it off. You've got to turn it off. And we have to carve out time for our partner and our family. They deserve that. And to be fully present, which means we're not checking the email. We're not doing that. We're blocking, we're blocking time out uh, where we don't let our work encroach on that so that our family believes that they are important and that we're stepping away from those things, those things that distract us from being fully present. Yeah, I think that, you know, as, as work becomes more and more knowledge-based uh, and as work becomes more and more, um, you know, thought-based, <laughs> right, versus, um, versus physical, Right. And as especially especially with the pandemic, where work became more and more mobile and with technology, how work becomes more and more mobile. Um, I remember when I was uh, when I was in grad school getting my master's, I was working as a debt collector and that job was 
awesome. <laughs> um, because you had your computer and your headset at work and you went in and you clocked in on the little thing and you were working when you were working and you clocked out for your break and then you you couldn't bring your work home. You didn't have a dialer. You didn't have a headset, right? There was no way for me to debt collect while I was at home. Um, and I think as, you know, as work becomes more uh, mobile, right? And and even now after the pandemic, that same company, now people are debt collecting from home, right? And they're continuing to debt collect from home. Um, and I think that as that happens, we, again, we have to be so intentional about it because the, the natural barriers that used to be there um, with, well, I can't, uh, I can't, weld when I'm off the clock because my, I don't have welding equipment here at my house. Well, now I do, right? Like I can't, I can't do counseling because I'm not, uh, or I can't, you know, do emails because I'm not at the office and my computer's at the office. Well, now I do. Now it's in my pocket. Now it's in my purse, right? And so those barriers, those boundaries have to be self-imposed. We have to do it intentionally. Whereas we used to have um, some of those things built in, right? Office hours of when the office was open, things like that. And uh, I, I think that it is so important in doing that. You, I know we're talking about couples, but with kids too, um, being able to have that time where uh, where it's just about them and we can intentionally be together. Um, and I think that it's, it feels like something that I think sometimes we think like it should be just naturally occurring because we're together all the time. But my daughter, oh my gosh, uh, my daughter did not have school on Friday. And, uh, and she was uh, with her grandma for part of the day, right? And then she, she said to me, well, I haven't had school all day. And we haven't had any quality time. <laughs> and I went, yeah, it's Friday. <laughs> Yeah, um, she made, she made she made a bid. She made a bid for connection. Yeah, she's a. We have not had any quality time, and I was like, we've been together. She's like, I know, but quality time and quality time. Like, yeah, quality time, and it's so true. Um, how important that is. And um, when I learned about PCAT, Parent Child Interactive Therapy, um, I this was before my daughter was born, but I learned about like the five minute special time, right, and how important that is. Uh, and what that is, is you set the timer for five minutes and you literally like sit and watch or interact if you're invited, uh, watch your child play. And that like, that is what you do. And if, if they do something in the play, you can say, oh yeah, you move that doll or that doll's eating or whatever it is. But you know, the, through PCAT or learning about PCAT, you realize like how important even five minutes is of quality time, even if it's the weekend and you spend the entire day around your child, but your child is doing something else or your partner, if you spend the entire day around your partner, but you guys are like cleaning the kitchen, <laughs> it can be quality time, but it's not necessarily quality time. It has to be intentional, mm -hmm. um, to make it quality time. And I, I think that couples counseling, this discussion is making me think, so couples counseling 
when we talk about stigma for mental health counseling, couples counseling really has it even harder than individual counseling, because I think it's kind of a, a perpetual, a perpetuating, self-perpetuating cycle. And you, you let me know, because you're the one who uh, actively works with couples and has this experience, but it seems that, um, that because couples counseling is stigmatized that you do that when you're on the brink of divorce, that people don't go to couples counseling when they're not on the brink of divorce. They, they don't do it. And like you said, that 24 months, right? That two years of like, well, we're not going to do it. We're going to work this out on our own, not wanting to go to counseling because that's what people do as the last straw of the relationship. Um, and then go in. And then by that time, there's so much work to be done that it's very difficult, right. To do that, that work. And then, and then the divorce happens. And then that perpetuates this idea that you only go to couples counseling when you have no other option. Right. Mm -hmm. And there aren't very many, uh, societal modeling, right. Or, or normalization of couples going to counseling that are healthy couples going to counseling to stay a healthy couple. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, we don't see that in, in society or in our culture mm -hmm. at all. Are, do you find that to be the case? Absolutely. I totally find that to be the case. And, you know, oftentimes it just puts one partner on the defense. That's not calling to schedule because they're big. Oh, are you going to leave me? Are you leaving me? Uh, and it is, I mean, I think there is such a stigma, um, and, you know, it, it's really, it's really a shame, you know, that, that couples wait until they're just out of absolute options and they're beside themselves. Um, but again, I think you're right. There just isn't good models of that. Um, you know, there is premarital counseling, but I mean, that's, that's very different. Um, but I think it, it's at least a start in that direction to be able to look at your differences, love languages, things like that, learn your partner in a little different light. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that it would be much better if it was just more out there in the world. I mean, I, I'll just say it, my husband and I, um, we've been married now coming up on seven years and we married each other later in life. And we, we had some challenges and we sought counseling and it's been amazing. Uh, what it's done for our marriage. And um, it's opened both of our eyes um, in, in such a new way to each other's needs. And we're much more intentional. Um, I've learned to make him a priority. My husband loves words of affirmation. I don't need words of affirmation. And so uh, I'm, I'm so much more intentional about that. Um, and, you know, I think couples counseling has, has saved our marriage. Um, and it's been a beautiful thing. Um, so, you know, we, we give hope, we give hope to uh, couples, I give hope to couples that that your marriage can be better if you are willing to, to do the work. And, um, you know, and, and I, I can absolutely state that because I've experienced it uh, on my own. So, uh, yeah. Love that, that couples can go healthy couples who are just dealing with life, like life in general is yes. a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, couple, healthy couples who, who are not 
uh, on the road to separation can still benefit greatly from couples counseling. And I think that message doesn't get sent enough. I love that you're talking about this because the same way that we, you know, go for walks or, or try to drink water to stay healthy, the exact same is true for couples counseling. And, and just because society has such a link between, well, you go to couples counseling when you're on the brink of divorce, right? Um, because that link is kind of so strong, I think it continues to strengthen itself because then healthy couples don't attend, right? Because they go, well, that's right. not us. Um, or that's not for us because, you know, we're doing fine. And so I love this, this idea and this message that no, it, it is for every couple, every couple can benefit from it. We're all going through all kinds of things uh, in our relationship and beautiful things like getting a dog or getting a cat or get having a child or remodeling a house together or buying a house together, right? Like those are beautiful life events and there's nothing wrong with them, but they are stressful on a relationship in the best of circumstances. Chris and Connor are looking at houses now, right? And like, that's, that is a stressful. <laughs> yes. I remember when we were doing it, like that is hard. There's compromise to be made. There's a lot of communication that needs to happen with something as fun, right? And as like joyful as buying a first home together. Yes. Yeah. I mean, stress, that's a big, a big thing um, that can really, you know, just make life, life super hard. And, um, you know, those good things can be stressful and, you know, and then we're, we're trying to navigate that with somebody that's our exact opposite. Um, And, you know, the, the key really is to be able to really listen, listen to my partner and to seek to understand, right versus seek to be understood. And, um, you know, just uh, really being able to tune in, really be attuned uh, to what our partner is saying, because it's so opposite often of what we're thinking about or what we want to have done. So that is really um, one of the core messages about relationships in general that we're that we're hearing today in this episode is that hearing our partner it's not automatic like it's it's hard sometimes there's so many distractions but it's so important it's again it's that just like with a counseling relationship that trust building and that um that safety feeling right when we're communicating with each other so important in the counseling relationship and uh and similarly so important between couples um to to kind of get back to that that place where you know we're we're truly listening to each other <laughs> and we're truly wanting to help each other um i love that you talked about the love languages um cuz mine is uh, acts of service like definitely acts of service and my husband's is gift giving <laughs> And that's like my lowest one. I don't, <laughs> don't give me stuff. <laughs> like I'll, you take stuff out of my house. That's an act of service. <laughs> and so uh, it's, it's just amazing how, uh, how different we are and how opposites do attract, um, which is great and, and beautiful. And I, I think that's one benefit of, as a, as a therapist of being a couples counselor is you get to see the same situation from totally different viewpoints, I would imagine that really helps um, just like personally is a benefit for opening up uh, our perspective on the world in general. 
Yes, absolutely. Yep. Just understanding the dynamic, the differences, you know, um, yeah, I think it does help us. So, uh, Vicki, so tell me about um, Ankeny Family Counseling and how can people get connected with you? Where are you located? And then how do people get in touch with you guys uh, to get started with services? Sure. So we're up here by the new Prairie Trail High V. We're at 1850 Southwest Plaza Shops Lane, and we're in Suite D. And um, we, we can be reached at 515-508-1150. And you can also find us on the web. It's just www.ankinyfamilycounseling.com. Um, there is a contact button in our website where we'll get an email from you. So, you know, those are the, those are the ways to reach us. Um, we have grown since my bio. I probably need to update that, but I think there's 10 of us now and there's two and a half uh, administrative uh, team. Um, so we just continue to grow and I'm just excited about that growth. Um, you know, we have a wide range of clinicians. We have both telehealth and in-person um, we have therapists that their niche are teenagers. We have some that are children. We have some that are couples, um, some that are trauma focused. And so uh, we just have a, a wide range of, of therapists uh, here at Ankeny Family Counseling. I love that. And, you know, I always love a a practice that or an agency that offers that variety because for families coming in, Therapy, one of the barriers to going to counseling or therapy of any kind is time. Time is a huge challenge. We don't, we only have 24 hours of it in a day. It's limited and we've got to budget it. And so if I want individual counseling for me and my husband's going to individual counseling and my daughter is, but we're all going to family together and my husband and I are doing couples counseling, um, it's such a benefit to be able to go to an agency where people are working together in one location, but offering different services because my daughter can go see her counselor while I'm seeing mine, right? right. While we're doing couples and it saves that time um, as well when, when you go to a, an agency like that where people. Absolutely. Yep. And I think the telehealth is also really important. Um, you know, I, I think that in, um, you know, more like in Iowa, it's not quite as utilized as much as I think like on the coast, like East or West coast. Um, but you know, with time constraints, telehealth is perfect. I mean, you can jump on at your lunch or you can jump on before work or after work. Um, I would love to see people take more advantage of the telehealth. Um, I, I'm finding that there's more people that want in-person than telehealth. And we've actually had that experience uh, even right after the pandemic. Yeah, I don't, I mean, gosh, I love telehealth for my own therapy. I love it. I think I was driving to Waterloo. That's 30 miles there and 30 miles back. And it's, you know, it's between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Like that's hard to keep going. That is 
really, really difficult. But one hour on a lunch break in the middle of the day where I can go from one meeting to therapy to another meeting is so awesome. And also for telehealth, a lot of times those hours are more fluctuated or um, varied as well. And so um, for a long time, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, I was doing an 8 a.m telehealth session with my therapist. That is awesome. You know, you can do it at the beginning of the day. You're not missing work. Like just really, really a lot of benefits to telehealth. I love it. Um, So I agree with you. I think that's really great. And I've seen, you know, uh, we've got couples here at Heart and Solutions that'll do telehealth and it's so much easier for scheduling couples too, because they can, they don't have to be in the same location. They don't have to both come to the office after work, they can just log on separately and be on the call together, which I just think is so uh, beneficial. So awesome that you guys are doing that out there as well, offering both in-person and telehealth, I think is great. I'm Vicki Ailey Roberson and I need a counselor. Yes, thank you. Me too, so does Krissa. (laughs) We all do, all need it, I love it. Awesome. So uh, definitely if you are in the Ankeny area or in Iowa and interested in telehealth, um, look up uh, Ankeny Family Counseling. And uh, if you are in um, any of our Heart and Solutions locations, go ahead and give us a call at 800-531-4236. What I love about uh, watching your agency grow as our agency grows is that we we don't have any overlap, right? Like we are, and, and that's amazing because as people move around the state and especially like 2021, a lot of people were moving in 2021, right? Um, and to kind of be in different locations. And so uh, I think that's just so awesome to be able to be part of this network of counselors kind of all all growing and doing this together. And like Julie mentioned at the beginning, we post new episodes every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central. So save up your laundry or your meal prepping or your exercising or whatever task you hate doing and listen to us for um, Sunday night at 5 p.m. And we can help convince you to call a counselor and get set up with services that week. And if you have any questions for us um, or for Vicki, you can reach out to us on um, Facebook at Unity Counselor Podcast or on our Instagram. You can send us a DM at Unity Counselor Podcast there as well. So I'm Krissa Hunt. And I'm Julie Johnson, and we need a counselor. And so do you. Bye. Bye.